Hi, welcome to Unexceptionalism, the podcast where we tackle and dismantle American exceptionalism, I guess. Um, so my name is Bibek and I'm one of the moderators of the Facebook group. This just in the USA is not the only country. And we are a Facebook group that is gathered around discussing examples of US-centric, America-centric behavior. And the people on the group just kind of discuss and sometimes make fun of them, just weird things that Americans tend to do online that are quite infamous and we've just found a, a space to vent. So um, in this podcast, we also just basically talk about the the posts that have been shared over the week and we kind of try to take an anthropological perspective on some of the, the behaviors that we've seen. So with me this week, we have... I'm Hannah. I am Norwegian, but I just finished a sociology degree in America, so I'm pretty much an expert now on everything American. So that's why I'm here, I guess. Yes, for your expertise. <laughs> yes. Because right now, now, you know everything. Yeah, so we've just been a bunch of randos like mouthing off until now. We have an actual expert. So. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And we have a new guest this week. Yeah, hi, um, I'm Fernanda, and I come from Mexico, but I am actually right now living in Spain, and I'm doing a degree in economics. So whatever kind of money questions that you may have, you can ask me, and I can just like bring the nerdy side of money things whenever we trash on American politics and issues like today we're doing, I guess. That's very useful to know. Also, I think Fernanda might be famous in the group uh, because uh, you're actually yeah. a founder, right, of a group called... Yes. What is it called? Of, it's, ah, yes, the Mighty Nation of Europe. And, <laughs> like, it started as a joke for whenever Americans would, like, refer to the whole of Europe as one homogenous thing that has, like, no kind of variety inside of it, like whenever you go and do some kind of trip in Europe and you just go to like Paris and the UK and London and that's it. But like it turned to a whole bigger thing where we just like discuss anything Europe related. Like, yeah, yeah it's turned into a huge thing lately and it's it's become really nice. I like it. Yeah, it's almost 3,000 members. Yeah. Yeah, it's exploded. Like it was really like out of nowhere. I didn't expect it to get this big, but it's... Well, now it's a thing, I guess. Yeah. Now you have like rules and like actual codes of conduct and stuff. Yeah, like I've had to get real tough and like tyrannical <laughs> a bit sometimes. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I try to keep it like chill and just not get too power hungry yet, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, the most fun thing about yeah. uh, running a Facebook group is the, the friendly tyranny that you get to have. Yeah, uh, like. <laughs> That's like a bit too much power for a few people, but like, like, I think it can be like, it depends if you have like the right mentality to run it responsibly, like, yeah, hopefully yeah, it's, it will stay that way. So let's hope. Yeah, the, the ethics and politics of Facebook moderation, I think, could deserve its own podcast and uh, something I yeah. could really get into. Um, and also, like, the, your group. I used to find very difficult to tag because I could never figure out how to spell ah and like how many A's in this thing and how many Yeah, like I really didn't put that much thought into it. I just wrote whatever sounded or like looked fine and well like actually like whenever I tag it I just like type the letter A three times and that enough like <laughs> yeah. that's like it's that does it for me. But like I've typed it so many times that it's already like saved or something on my phone, so maybe that's the thing. But it's it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, and you obviously tapped into something in the zeitgeist that people want because even despite these barriers, it's uh it's grown pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't I, know how it's done it, but that's cool. Well, just like um, ah yes, the mighty nation of Europe has sort of evolved to uh, discussing larger issues around Europe. I think our podcast also, even though we're only like three episodes, four episodes in, we've evolved to sort of be this anthropological lens almost into different subjects around the U.S. So one of the things that we're going to talk about today actually coincides with the fact that we are recording this on what is Memorial Day 
in the U.S. I think it's known by other days in other countries. I don't know. I don't uh, listen to it. Does other countries have this? I don't know if other countries have calendars. So really. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, um, yeah, I. So what was that? No, nothing. It's yeah, it's just yeah. Okay, well, I think Hannah actually found a post. I did. Of, yeah. So Memorial Day is basically, I guess, to remember and honor fallen veterans or people who died while serving this great country here in the U.S. <laughs> so right. Yes, and I actually didn't really know what this was. I've been living here for more than four years, and it's just like, for Memorial Day, people get Monday off and they have a barbecue and stuff, and I never looked too much into it. And then uh, over this past week, my dad and his girlfriend came to visit me from Norway, and there was like flags everywhere and people driving down south for their summer home because this is like the official start of summer or whatever and they're like what is going on what is all of this and i didn't even think about it because i'm just so used to flags everywhere and all this (laughs) stuff so i had to like google it to figure out what it was actually about and that's what it is so um you found a, a post by melody Ann. yes so the post is uh, something they're confused about every time they see a U.S. person online speak about military service and then like two to three people are like, thank you for your service. And that doesn't happen in Canada and it doesn't happen in Norway either. It's To me, it seems like a pretty American thing. Like I see people in Norway that wear their military uniforms on the bus and everything, but I've never ever seen someone actually going up to them and like thanking them or even like acknowledging them in any way. So. Yeah. What about Mexico? Does that happen over there? Yeah. Well, I mean, for us, the military is more like the kind of people you see whenever like a hurricane happens so like we've mm. never been involved in really like big like military events since like world war Two, and even then it was just like we were aiding whoever was like more powerful and selling us things but like for us the military usually it's the people like who help out with like like natural disasters and earthquakes that we have all of the time and like hurricanes that we also have all the time so that's like whenever we see them but other than that it's not like there's some kind of glorified group of people or anything like whenever you see them it's probably because something is going wrong or like that's basically it like until 2009 you would only see the military whenever there was like a hurricane that had turned out your house and you had to go get help from them but like now that's changed a little bit more that like violence has increased a bit more as well like the government has tried to use the military a bit more to like solve the problems the easy fast way but it's not worked out that well anyway but mm. like they're not really glorified at all if anything people really don't like them so it's like <laughs> well, the opposite it's, thing yeah it, so it's kind of like if there was a custom in mexico people just thanking random military people. It would make more sense because they're actually doing stuff domestically. That's yeah. like good because, work. Yeah, in like in the US, um, a lot of them are fighting overseas in Afghanistan or Iraq or they're based in Germany or Japan. And, you know, when people are, um, you know, when people say they're out there fighting for our freedoms and the response is always like, well, what's my freedom doing all the way in Afghanistan? Like, just what does that have to do with anything? And the the sort of knee-jerk reaction that a lot of U.S. people seem to have to just thanking the troops is so prevalent. I actually saw this thing happen on um, Reddit one time. And if you don't know what Reddit is, don't go there. It's a toxic <laughs> cesspit of sexually frustrated mini-Hitlers. But sometimes <laughs> it means But there oh was a... God. This guy had shared a photo of his um, granddad who was actually in the, in the SS... Oh. And oh. this is in one, like one of the old historical photographs subreddits, and the the Americans in the group were saying stuff like, "Thank you for your service, Granddad," or like you know they were like, uh, "I don't agree with what he did, but thank him for my uh, thank him for his service for me." I'm like, "What?" 
Oh this guy, my god. Did they know what the SS is? Or they what? know. And they were still like, hey, you know what? He was fighting for his country. And that's noble. Like, no. No. <laughs> like, in what world is that noble? Like, oh my in god. The, so basically world, military equals good no matter what? No matter what. Even if you're literally the okay. SS. Like, now, <laughs> I know there's people who think the Wehrmacht, of the, the German army of... Uh, the Second World War, like, well, they were not as bad, so I guess it's okay to, to thank them, even though I, I think they're all terrible. But this guy is literally the spearhead of the Nazi racist regime, and they're like, well, we thank soldiers, so I'm going to thank this guy, too. Like, they don't even stop to think of anything, because just they're not used to, like, actually criticizing their own history in any way. Like, yeah. yeah. It's just a kind of like a social custom that's just so ingrained in them that they just say it without even thinking about what it actually means. Yeah, I think it's like a bit cultural. Yeah. So, um, speaking of cultures, I guess, today is Memorial Day, but it's also... Isn't it tomorrow? It is tomorrow, but (laughs) with the magic of technology, I will publish this tomorrow, so... Oh, okay, sorry. No, I actually totally forgot. Um, Well, the other thing that's happening today, on Sunday, is Europe's having some elections, and I think Fernanda had a... found a post about this. Yeah, right. Actually, I just came from voting, like, a few hours ago, so that happened. I mean, for us here, where I live, Nate, coincided with the like municipal and the autonomical elections like our regional things mm-hmm. so like it was all the same day so that makes it a bit easier so people vote more because like people mm-hmm. here don't like to vote that much <laughs> yeah. at least not when it's like tiny ones but yeah i mean particularly in spain it's been a really interesting election but not exactly in a great way because we have this like far right party that's trying to gain power in the country as well so yeah like i don't even want to say their name because i don't want to have to wash my mouth afterwards so let's not give give them a promotion (laughs) we don't want to platform them right yeah Yeah. they they have enough of that already in tv and shit so like oh my god so So you found a post by username magdalena yeah it says over 80 of the most popular and successful german youtubers made a video and posted it on all their over 80 channels in order to make young people go vote on Sunday and make the right choice for our planet and our future. And then someone asked, vote for what? Then, like, someone (laughs) told them, the EU deputies. And, like, I'm pretty sure it said something in the bottom up around, like, the lines of, I don't know what that is, or I can check for the full one, but... Yeah, yeah, like. The person was just saying, oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that, but, like, Germany would have elections. But yeah, it like, literally <laughs> said in the post, successful German YouTubers are making this video, so, like, wouldn't you make that connection that it's a German election or at least a European Maybe one? Google? Maybe yeah, Google? it's like, uh, yeah, like, of course, like, why would Germany even have elections? It just totally, like, for, I just didn't consider it possible. Like, does Germany have any elections at all? <laughs> Who oh, can no. tell? If only there was a way we could yeah. put that Aren't they still like crowd. under the Nazis or something like yeah. that? Like, Didn't Hitler stop elections? Wasn't that the whole point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, they have no idea. And I think they're also confused because it's um, Sunday and Americans only vote on Tuesdays for some reason. Yeah, like that's so confusing. Like that just makes absolutely no sense. It's terrible. I, I mean, the the historical roots behind why people vote on Tuesdays in the U.S. is actually just kind of warped and crazy. It's just because farmers took a long time to get to the main town center from their farm, so they had to like give them until Tuesday to do so. And then now we're still stuck with this, and it means a lot of you know people that work or have other commitments can't cast their votes. Because they probably yeah, don't like, get paid to take off work to go yeah. vote, right? No, they don't. Yeah, but here's an example of this America centrism. So there's a lot of um, push from people on the left in the U.S. to try to make it easier for people to vote, right? So they mm-hmm. want to make voting day a public holiday. 
Mm-hmm. But that kind of misses the point a little bit. So they want to make voting day a public holiday because they can only think of the fact that voting day has to be a Tuesday. And other countries have voting days on like the weekend, but a lot of people don't work anyway. Exactly. So like, if you make yeah. voting day a Tuesday and make that into public holiday, it actually negatively impacts a lot of people. For example, the service workers or retail workers or you know fast food or you know mm-hmm. service workers who suddenly have to work because you know they don't get public holidays off, mm-hmm. and because everybody else gets the day off, the bosses of like you know, retail or food service places are gonna like put everybody on shift. So they're going to be less likely to be able to vote. There's just so yeah. many problems with the voting system in the U.S. It's just so many obstacles to get through, and it's so hard to vote that I don't think making it a public holiday is going to solve anything. There are so many other things that yeah. need to be addressed first. It's the least yeah. of their worries. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was also the issue where they were trying to like make people bring in bringing an ID like a form of ID like a passport or something mm. obligatory to be able to vote in there was like a whole issue with that with people like more marginalized people or people who could not afford to get a passport right. suddenly yeah. not being able to vote if that came to law and I don't know if it was like federal level or in just some states but that was a huge issue I think a few years ago or something yeah, some states were trying to have these voter ID laws, right? That would, yeah. if you don't have um, a driver's license or a state ID or whatever, you're not able to vote. But that only affects the poorest people in the poorest communities who don't have these services, who have to like drive to two different counties across just to go to a, a registry and then have to take off time in their day when they don't get any time off. And then it's just like, mm-hmm. it's all designed so that the people that need representation the most don't get that representation. Yeah. And that's what I they mean, want. Exactly. That's, like, like something that's always baffled me about the U.S., like, compared to many other countries, is how, like, the social security number is your identification <laughs> number for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so and, like, in many countries, that's just not the case. Like, here in, in, in Spain, and I think in many countries in the whole of Europe, like you have your ID that you use for absolutely everything and mm-hmm. like everybody has it like everybody has to have it because it's like mandated mandated by law and that just makes everything easier because you use it for everything and you don't have to have three separate numbers for three separate things mm-hmm. but the US still uses like social security number for everything and it's just like a really inefficient thing like you cannot use your social security number to vote when right. it should be the thing that allows you to vote and that's it yeah since everyone has that anyway right but yeah apparently you can't use that because that would make it too easy for yeah. poor and non-white people to vote i mean yeah it's already very easy to do like identity theft in the u.s so <laughs> the social security number card or whatever it's called it's just like a little paper card with the number yeah. and the name and no picture yeah. and stuff it's perforated like, so it's like it's easy, it's even weaker yeah structurally. Like, you can't even keep it in your wallet because it'll just get all crumbled and destroyed and, yeah and like, a lot to laminate it apparently it's uh, against the law or some yeah. regulation that if you laminate it they can't accept it and it's like they're That's designed to fall to apart. make it yeah. like they're designed to make your life hard like here in spain i can use my like like my ID to enter in the airport like I can travel mm-hmm. through the whole of Europe with that like plastic card and I can like, just use my debit card if I want to we don't yeah, even know what debit I... cards are over here <laughs> <laughs> now that's an exaggeration but Jesus like, yeah. Yeah, like so. it wouldn't be surprising if they didn't so that's the <laughs> yeah we we as in people that live in the US only got the the chip debit cards like maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my and it's God. Such a, it's such a new thing over here that you know, people are still struggling with it. I've been yeah. damaged by this system because I'm so used to like just handing over my card when I pay mm. here. So when I go back to Norway, I'll just stand there with my card out like a yeah. fool. <laughs> and they're like just staring <laughs> oh at God. me like, what are you doing? You got to like, put it in the machine. Yeah. Like so even now I can just pay with my phone. 
like oh, it's man. gotten that That's easy like i just like I, or even with my watch because i'm like i have a watch that can do that but like not everyone can but like it's that mm -hmm. easy you just press it in and that's it you don't, like it's yeah. completely like another level like wow. even in countries like sweden they don't even accept cash in some shops at all anymore mm -hmm. so it's like so you don't need cash and, oh my god i never have yeah, cash like, unless i get it from my grandpa <laughs> it's like, yeah like when i yeah. went to sweden i wanted to like take some money like as a souvenir and everything and i just had like some coins because i mm. barely used any of it so it's like it's really shocking if you're not used to that yeah, yeah. i remember when they were implementing the tap and go system for the the metro gates like when you enter the train stations and it was like a big deal like they were all writing about on the newspapers and i was just thinking like Oh great! Welcome to the late '90s. Like this is <laughs> been doing this that is, since I started taking the bus. Yeah, I yeah, don't even yeah. remember. I mean, I grew up in Singapore, but I don't remember a time when I didn't have this, like tap and go thing. But yeah, it's been yeah, there it's all the time. Yeah, yeah, like and I'm sure they'll be like, "Oh, America was the first place to invent tap of and course. go." Yeah, that's what yeah, so America's always the first place to invent everything. Yeah, well, actually, it brings me to my uh, other a post that I wanted to talk about, which is um, some guy on Reddit. Again, don't go to Reddit, but <laughs> he commented something like, America might have a lot of problems, but at least we were the first place to abolish slavery. And that's something to be proud of. And someone else correctly responded, you are in no way the first to abolish slavery. What are you doing? And um, yeah, it's like such a typical behavior to you know, like drag your feet on something eventually do it when most of the other countries in the world have already done it and then come out and say we were actually first and would lead us in this and, and not that, to mention yeah. slavery is still legal in the u.s you just have it to be is. a felon yep it's have you ever seen one of those videos about the felons like down south with the and of course they're mostly black people and then you have a white guy on a horse riding yeah. around making sure they're doing their job and that's from like this century yeah it's like, really horrible there's a study from well i don't remember what group i'll put it in the show notes maybe but the study showed that the coincidence of slavery being abolished and the black prison population rising are almost matched so mm -hmm. the moment when white slave owners couldn't keep black people as slaves, they started to basically incarcerate more black people so they could just have their free labor in their prison camps now. So loophole. Yeah. That's literally what it is. It's just a loophole yeah. of the thirteenth amendment. Yeah. And it's by design. Yeah, it's like it's written that way. Like obviously they weren't just going to like let things be better because of course it's America. What did you expect? Yeah. <laughs> They just don't let things be better. Yeah, like they're just so obsessed with their past. Like it just, I, I don't understand it. I, yeah. uh, I think no one ever will. But mm, I well, won't. Speaking of being obsessed with their past, <laughs> what a great <laughs> right. segue. Um, I think so. Hannah had a, a really interesting post by a guy called John Becker. John Becker. Uh, it's oh, is that? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Oh my God! This post. So there's what? What is this guy? He's a politician. Is he? He's a, a yeah, He's in the or... Ohio State Senate. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so that just makes it even worse. So he posted a picture of uh, three doors, and between the doors is a bed, and a shotgun. I think <laughs> I don't know my guns, but it's a gun, a long gun. And so he writes that on one side his daughter will be sleeping, and on the other side. Her fiance will be sleeping, and in the middle, he'll be sleeping with the shotgun. And I've seen this photo in like several different groups during the past day, and one of them is like, sounds incestuously possessive of your daughter's virginity or something. Yeah. And uh, that's just such a big thing in the US, I feel like. And it just pisses me off and makes me nauseous at the same time how you can post something like this and i'm pretty sure he's serious but 
like even if it's a joke, it's not a funny joke in my opinion. Yeah, because it, it there's a grain of truth to it. Ultimately, that that is how they think about their daughters yeah. and just virginity yeah. in general. I don't know. Is this? Yeah. I mean, this isn't unique to the U.S. I guess, but probably it's, not. It's more toxic and sort of in yeah. your face. And it's yeah, more I mean, like, but... uh, hypocritical there because, like, they want to be ahead of society or whatever mm-hmm. and be so advanced and ahead in social movements and everything, and then they still cling to this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, like, even when you talk about things like child marriages, like, mm-hmm. there's these are things that you would think about happening only, like, in poorer countries or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. but like in the u.s it's happening so much and it's still legal they just like it's still legal and it happens and it keeps happening and yeah like things have been done to stop it but it's like how can you call yourself a like a developed country if you still have things like this happening in your country mm-hmm. yeah, i actually dealt with this well not exactly that but sort of something like this when i was in this long-term relationship with an American woman, a fully grown adult, by the way, and we would visit her parents' um, house, and they were all, you know, like very progressive liberal types um, in Massachusetts. So we would visit their home, and like when I would stay over, they would like make me sleep in a different room. Oh, that's and I don't know if this is like a thing anywhere else, but I just I was so confused by that, and like. Did I do something wrong? Like, did I offend them? I thought we had a great, like, relationship until now. And then um, I asked my girlfriend at the time about it, and she was just like, no, that's just how it is, you know. You can't have two people sleeping in the same room if they're dating. And I'm like, why the fuck not? Like, what is the issue exactly? I don't know. As a sociologist, Hannah, what do you think? (laughs) Please give us your expert opinion on this. An expert opinion. I don't know if I can give an expert opinion, but it is like just very much a big part of their culture. Like it's just, it's gonna take some time to change that, I think. Mm. Because they've just been doing this for so long and they don't even think about it. So it's, it's just how it's been done. Yeah, and these were people that I didn't expect to do this. Like, yeah. I, I only thought it was something that happened in, like, very Republican southern oh, no. states. It's very but common. No, up here in Yankeeville, it was still happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, even, like, the most, like, people that consider themselves, like, liberal and everything, like, if you truly look at what, like, the political spectrum looks like, they're still not, like, even that far away from the center Mm-mm. at all like mm. po- politics in the u.s are just like really shifted well to the right and well over to the side of capitalism and everything yeah. so anything that's like more left-wing than whatever democrats do that's already like communist and way too much and everything yeah. so mm-hmm. that like encompasses most of what their like cultural norms are like i think mm-hmm. yeah the well said that sort of obsession with capitalism is, is so strong that even the most left-wing, left-leaning candidates in the current presidential elections, like, for example, Elizabeth Warren, who's the most left-wing candidate besides Bernie Sanders, she has to say stuff like, well, I'm a capitalist, but I still think, or like, oh, I support capitalism, but I think that we should break up the banks. And you know, she has to couch everything that she says and like hedge everything with the disclaimer that, no, no, I'm a capitalist, don't worry. Mm-hmm. But also, we should stop people mm-hmm. from dying of like easily preventable diseases. Yeah, I'm a capitalist, and I love the system. But also, maybe we should not bankrupt people because they want to go to school. Yeah. That's how sort of obsessed the system has become, or people have become with the system. Yeah. So let's let's talk about something more fun. Let's talk about school <laughs> shootings. Oh yeah. That's fun. Oh. Uh, this is. I think, Fernanda's post that or Fernanda Hi. found this. Yes, I think it's the one with the Twitter thing, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's this like stereotypical white girl who's wearing a USA T-shirt, like American girls do. <laughs> yeah, and, <this> is... 
Yeah. And it says, I love not living in Mexico. And I'm like, well, I mean, cool. I mean, so do I, even if I want <laughs> to go back home. But that's not the point. And then not this guy... Yeah. <laughs> and then the guy below, Max, says, I love not living in tiroteo escolar, which is Spanish for school shooting. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Like, take that. Like, I mean... Not that we're, not that we're laughing at kids yeah, getting like, shot or anything, but... In Mexico, really it's not the safest country, but we still have, like, not as many school shootings as the U.S., so that's good, mm. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, at least people are doing something about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. If it happens in New Zealand, you know, they're going to take action like they already did. So okay. um, I just want to make a, bring up a point. This Caitlin Bennett is not just any random American white woman. She's the girl that brought a gun to her graduation photos. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. Her. Okay, that yeah, makes more school, sense now. Right. She's like a right-wing troll at this point. Like, her career, that's the life that she's chosen. So, oh well, she graduated from Ohio State University. And so, like, I don't know if this is common anywhere else, but in America, they take photos of them, and, like, posing in different parts of the school or whatever. So, she had a gun with her, and she was, like, walking through campus with a what? rifle. Oh, oh my and, God. And the other thing with the this is that, Ohio State University has a fraught history. Oof. It was actually um, one of the first places where there was a school shooting in the U.S. Oh, my God. Sorry, there... no. Not Ohio State University. Kent State is where it happened. So the Kent State hmm. shootings in 1970, um, unarmed college students were shot by members of the Ohio National Guard hmm. because uh, they, were, they were holding a protest against mm. the war against Cambodia that the U.S. was quietly conducting at the time. So for this lady today to bring a fucking gun on campus in a school where something this terrible has happened in its history is just, I mean, what a troll. I don't know what's worse, if she's just completely unaware of what she's doing and how it's wrong, or if she's doing it on purpose just to piss people off. I absolutely think it's on purpose. Like, I think yeah, like, too. Yeah, if like if she has like a history of being like a troll, then I don't think she would do it accidentally at all. Like no. much less with everything that's going on right now. Like she would have to be really, really, really clueless to not know what she's doing. Yeah, and that's why Max's response to her tweet about like I love not living in school shootings is so so apt because yeah, yeah she's from Kent State where that happened, and it wasn't just random white kids shooting up the school like it tends to be usually it's actually the, the military doing it to their own kids it's just yeah insane wow like, what a yeah. our episode today has been such a fun cheerful lively selection of oh my subjects. god yeah it's fun do we have any lighter posts oh man Is it's it gonna fun? get worse from now <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be a great time. I mean, we have um, a post about American history and them not having done anything wrong. Yeah. That's a tricky one. That could be fun. I think that was Fernanda's one, but... um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, basically like American history saying, I have done nothing wrong ever in my life. And as usual, like, all Americans would agree, like, they know this and they love their history regardless. Like, mm-hmm. I know this and I love you. Yeah. And, like, we have already talked about this a bit, I think. We mentioned mm-hmm. it. Like, the, like, Americans, like, they have absolutely no interest in historical revisionism at all. They like to, like, it's not only an American thing. I'm sure there's other countries that like to, like, Probably. write their history however they like as they say the winners of most conflicts are the ones that end up writing whatever happened and they mm-hmm. write it to their own to make themselves look good but like at a certain point you have to like know when it gets too far and i don't think the u.s has been able to do that like at all Mm-mm. like just yeah. look at like at slavery for example like 
even now like yeah it, there's a lot of things like but that's like the first example that came to my mind i guess have yeah. you ever, any of you seen that children's book about i think it was washington's slaves making him, him a birthday cake or something oh my god oh. What? and they're like just what? so happy and cheerful and they're like oh we're making our master a cake yay and oh that's my- like a recent book too and there are many more like this and there's one i think about harriet tubman where they wrote something like even though she was a slave she still had happiness in her her life or something mm-hmm. and oh while that's God. probably true it's just the way it's said that is just so yeah. wrong yeah, i yeah. i know of a a romance novel that came out recently it was about Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings and Sally Hemings is was his slave that he basically raped I guess yeah I mean no yeah, I guess yeah. not. he definitely did that like and he was like supposedly married with to her but not really so it was like kind of a forced thing it was complicated but yeah uh, and he he owned her her entire life and she was also his she was related to him because she was the daughter of oh. a slave who had been raped by J- Thomas Jefferson's relative, his um, his ancestor. So mm-hmm. this is a very southern thing, right? Like slavery plus incest and like rape. Yeah. And all that. But and for someone to write a fucking romance novel about this oh is so God. ignorant and so just yeah. Again, like, today is not a very fun, like, happy episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's bringing me back to, like, I'm sure all of you have heard of Hamilton, the musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's reminded me of all these people who like to write fan fictions about Thomas Jefferson and Sal Hemings doing whatever stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it gets really toxic. Like, there's a huge part of that fan base that has no kind of, like, perspective or mm-hmm. any kind of like common sense when it comes to history or sensitivity or anything. Mm. Well, I have a fun post that we can oh. talk about. So um, this was something shared from like a child-free group or something. But essentially, it's uh, it's a Korean baby, incredibly cute, just like dressed up in this traditional like, outfit. And it's his um, 100th day celebration, which is a big Thing in a lot of East Asian cultures so he looks like a king he's dressed up in these like fine garments like with all this cake and like looks really cute and someone has taken a screenshot of this and is saying what the hell is this this is so extra like parents just like need to relax and obviously it's an American person saying this and it was it was a mess like and everyone was like dunking on that woman saying things like this is a country that announces your children's genitals with gender reveal parties and you think someone else is being extra? Yeah, like... uh, I'd rather be extra in this way than the gender reveal thing. And it's not even like... uh, It's not even that people are being extra about it. A 100th day celebration is just a birthday celebration for a kid who, you know, historically wouldn't be able to make it to such a milestone because... That's what life used to be like, and people now want to celebrate that. And this yank to come in and say that people are being extra and need to relax is just too much. Because anything that's not American is just extra. Yeah, right. Yeah, like anything that they're not used to, that's just mm-hmm. not okay. Like, uh, I mean, like, and just in general, like gender reveal parties and gender reveal everything, it's just that really is cringy. Mm, yeah. like, it's extra, but it's also not executed well almost like any time. So, like, they have to be a bit more self aware, which I think they like usually are lacking yeah. on. So, yeah. eh. well, s- speaking of extra, I'm gonna have, have another great segue. Speaking of extra, Americans also pay extra out of their paycheck for healthcare. Yes, they do. Anna, you want to take yeah. us through this? Yeah, so there was this post 
what someone wrote, one thing Americans love doing is having 20% of their paycheck deducted from their for their employer-provided health insurance and then posting online about how having 5% of your paycheck deducted in a universal health care system will be communist fascism. <laughs> Oof, that was a... <laughs> That was a mouthful. Yes. A great take and very true. Yeah. So I don't know how accurate these numbers are exactly, but I'm sure they're They're pretty pretty close close to reality. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. And this is something that has come up a lot in my education. Like, as a... In sociology, we talk a lot about, like, healthcare and all that kind of stuff. So... Whenever we talk about that stuff, they like ask me how much taxes we pay and everything, and how well we can't do this in America because there's just too much taxes and everything. And I'm just there like, no, it's not that bad actually. We don't mm. pay that much, and even if we did, I would gladly give my taxes to like get that in return and not having my fellow citizens or whatever die from something like diabetes that you shouldn't die of in 2019 that's just my humble opinion yeah it's just it's crazy it is yeah and the the thing that they don't see is that you can have a small amount of money taken out of your paycheck Mm -hmm. um because uh, through taxes and it all goes through a public pool and you know mm-hmm. that's universal healthcare, um, and then you you have less money right after taxes, or you can have less money taken out of taxes, and have more of your like take home pay, you know, uh, gone because you're paying for premiums, you're paying for copays, mm-hmm. you're paying for just the crazy costs that are just everywhere uh, when it comes to healthcare and also not to mention university education. Mm-hmm. The thing that I think Americans don't seem to realize is they, they have this argument that like, well, if we have free healthcare, then who's going to pay for it? First of all, we, when we say free healthcare, we mean free at the point of service. So yeah. like, you don't yeah. have to pay when you go up there to the counter, you know, it's all taken care of through taxes, but also they think that an EKG should cost Four thousand dollars. They actually mm-hmm. think that a broken arm should cost forty thousand dollars to put together because the costs are so inflated because of these out of control insurance and like healthcare companies. So like they have no sense of like what exactly these processes and procedures cost. So they're like in this state where they're worried about like, well, we're gonna have to pay half a million dollars for a cancer treatment. So like, where's that money gonna come from? Not realizing that like. Really, it only, it only costs a fraction of that. And the ironic yeah. part is that the U.S. government already spent about the same as all the other countries on average on healthcare. It's just uh, insurance and all of that stuff mm. in addition to that. Yeah, and yeah. it's like the prices are so inflated just mm-hmm. because there's such a power that is given to the insurance companies. Like, whenever you... In the U.S., you go to a hospital, your insurance provider is going to have to negotiate the prices mm-hmm. with the hospital you're in. And those prices are very hard to access when you try to get information and everything. They're, like, kept under wraps. And mm-hmm. that makes it really hard for prices to be, like, negotiated and for markets to really work. Like, that's something we study a lot in economics, like, how the lack of information in certain markets doesn't allow prices to flow how they're supposed to flow in any other normal market mm-hmm. so that just keeps everything like o- overly inflated like they're like basically prices that are not like real they're just there because they're being ne- negotiated and the insurance mm-hmm. is paying for it that's why whenever you don't have insurance the prices are like astronomically high right. because they're mm-hmm. not yet yeah, they're just not meant for any normal person without insurance to pay for them they're meant for the insurance companies. So whenever you don't have insurance, then you have to suffer the consequences of a market that's contained within itself. Mm-hmm. Someone actually brought up this this metaphor about why the U.S. healthcare system is so out of whack, and it's a metaphor with a um, poison arrow frog. So a poison arrow frog is the most poisonous 
animal in the animal kingdom. And why is it that way? Is because there's actually a snake that eats it that is actually um, immune to its poison. But they got that way because um, they had to. So the poison arrow frog had to get more poisons to avoid that snake, and the snake had to become more uh, immune to the poison so that it could eat the the frog. And that's essentially the healthcare providers and the insurance companies. Like they've had to raise their prices, the insurance companies, because the healthcare companies would try to negotiate them down, and then that would sort of go back and forth. So that now we have the system where like these are incredibly inflated poisonous prices that mm-hmm. if you have insurance you're okay you're like that snake who can like you know handle that poison but if you're out of that system if you don't have insurance you're like mm-hmm. a regular snake who's like trying to eat that frog and like you've never built up that resistance and like right so it's just like for people that are caught outside of the system you're fucked you're completely destroyed financially because you didn't play into this weird psychotic game that these companies are playing Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just their way to completely control the market. That's why there's so much lobbying going on against a like single payer system. It's just completely going to go and trash whatever market control they have in the insurance company market. It's yeah. it's a game of money. And there's a lot of money in that business, so they have a lot of money for lobbying. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the worst sort of more famous example of how crazy this is, is the, the whole insulin mm-hmm. um, mess. Uh, I, think, I think Hannah has some, some numbers on this. Yeah, and the, the thing with insulin is that if you have type 1 diabetes, then you are, you, you need it to survive. Because if you, if your blood sugar is too high or too low, you can like, you can become blind, you can destroy like all your organs pretty much and essentially you will die. And there have been cases of people dying, like, all the time. And Americans pay a lot of money for insulin. So I have this chart that shows, like, differences between some countries and the U.S. And the cost of a few different types of insulin is, like, at least twice as much. Like, there are three different kinds of insulin here. And not everyone can take, like, every type Sometimes an insurance company will be like, you need to have this, you, I'll give you this type, but the person needs another type. So if they want the one that actually works for them, they have to pay for it themselves. So having insurance doesn't even always save you. Mm. And Jeez. for mm. there's this kind called ap- Epidra or something. And you have in the US, it costs $6 per milliliter. And then the next country on the list is the Dominican Republic and that costs 1.33 dollars per milliliter so that's like five six times wow as expensive oh my god the US. so so you're saying that the US costs a lot five to six times more than the second place yes I don't this is not all the countries in the world so there okay. may be some that are close there but it seems like it's like uh, most of the time the U.S. is way above right. the next country. Yeah, but also, I mean, the fact remains that people think that this is what it costs to Yeah, insulin. and it doesn't have to. Yeah, and the, the insurance mm-hmm. companies have been able to use that as a way to argue against universal health care. And they'll say, look at how expensive it is. Like, there's no way universal health care could take care of this. If you were to pay all of this through taxes it would bankrupt you, but it's because it's all fake. It's, it's fiction. Yeah. There's no reason why insulin needs to cost this much besides greed, basically. Yeah. I've never yeah. heard. Yeah. Hmm? No, yeah, like the prices are that way because they want them to be and they it's mm-hmm. on their interest to give them that way, but they're not going to tell you that because if, they, if everybody knew that, then I don't think things would stay the same way, I think. Mm. So Colorado is one of the U.S. states that have recently just capped the price of insulin to $100 per month, mm-hmm. which is still quite high, I think. But yeah, the yeah. the fact is, like, it's not – if they can do that, there's no reason why it couldn't be done anywhere else. I mean, I there's nothing 
economically that's stopping this from happening. There's, there's not a reason why like insulin manufacturers would go bankrupt if we did this. I mean, oh, no. it's they just the executives not. who won't make as much money. I'm like, who cares? Fuck them. Yeah. Can they like, sell the patent for like $1 to make sure this didn't happen? And then. Exactly. But like the patent expired not so long ago. So now yeah. I think in the US, there's only three manufacturers that are producing insulin. Like, yeah, at in, least three main ones. Inside the US. Yeah. And like, being only three big ones means they have a huge control of whatever the market prices are going to be. Like they mm-hmm. compete in prices basically. Like in their like it's how the market structure is like working. Yeah. When you have only three big competitors, they're gonna have to compete in prices because the product is exactly the same most of the time. They're mm-hmm. producing the same thing. So the only way that they can compete and sell more than the other one is making it more expensive or cheaper. However it works, everybody's tending to go to the higher price for whatever reason mm-hmm. to make more profit. It right. but, and I read something about how the way the formula for insulin is that it's really hard for it's really hard to recreate without the exact recipe so that you can't really have generic as easily at least yeah so like just... I'm pr- yeah i'm pretty sure it's a yeast that it's been genetically modified in order to be able to produce the insulin itself because mm-hmm. normally before that i think it would be harvested from other animals and that, that was just not cost effective at all and it was not very cheap at all so they had to like make up a clever way in order to produce that more efficiently and i mean genetic engineering is not very easy and that's why it had to be patented and Mm. like that's the excuse they used to make it so expensive it's like oh it's genetic engineering it's going to be expensive but it doesn't have to be that expensive Mm -hmm. it's really not not with today's technology and it's just not at all all right like a very specific procedure in order to be able to get that mm-hmm. and that's, that's why really people should be bankrupt for needing these procedures yes yeah. of course yeah. and so i guess the, yeah. the moral of the story is the system is fucked and there's no hope and everyone's gonna die well just take advantage of the american dream and get rich like everybody else like what are you doing they're sitting on your butt dying of diabetes yeah, yeah it's obviously your money. fault. It's obviously yeah. your fault. Uh, of like, course. If you, if you die, don't complain with the government because it's not their fault. It's always your fault. Yes, it well, is. <laughs> yeah, um, do you guys have more thoughts? Um, we're all moving to uh, our next section. Yeah, I'm kind of just depressed now. Uh, okay. Nice. <laughs> well, let's talk about something fun then. So, um, <laughs> Sounds good. good. We don't always talk about problems that America has and uh, try to solve it. We also answer questions from people from the US who are confused about different things that people from other countries do. So this week, one of the questions that we were sent in is, do other places spend too much money on coffee? (laughs) I don't really know what the context of this is, but let's just take it however we want. So what do you guys think? Are you coffee drinkers? cafe goers. I love coffee and I do spend way too much money on coffee but I am in the US and that was one of the observations that my family had when they were over here that people always walked around with these paper Mm -hmm. cups of coffee that they had just bought and they're like why are they just buying coffee every day do they not have coffee makers so I don't think Norway at least spends as much on coffee as the US yeah, like something I experienced when I was living in Switzerland like three years ago. It's that people don't spend money on coffee that you take away, but mm-hmm. coffee is really expensive. Like yes. the least money I would spend on the tiniest coffee cup you can imagine is $3. Mm-hmm. And that's like for an espresso shot. So it's really expensive compared to the rest of the whole continent of Europe and everything. Like right now here in Spain, I pay less than one euro per cuppy, cup of cuppy. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like prices vary a lot, but like 
the culture of drinking coffee is so different from the U.S. Like, you would hardly see people carrying around their paper coffee mm. cups anywhere unless you're in, like, the really rich neighborhoods or you're looking at foreigners or tourists. Other mm, yeah. than that, people just, like, they go to their local coffee shop and they just drink a tiny coffee, like, mm. in the closest place. Like, you don't see people going into work with their three... Like their triple shot of espresso frappuccino, yeah, concoction with whatever it has inside. Yeah. <laughs> Going to a coffee shop is more of a social event. Like you go there to have your coffee and talk, not to yeah. buy overpriced coffee to take with you. Mm. Yeah, like, I've noticed, and I don't know if maybe this is just me, but I don't know. Maybe Hannah can back me up or not. But I feel like there isn't really as much of a coffee culture or a cafe culture in the US that there isn't the no. same kind of like you go to a cafe and then you hang out for like an hour or two just drinking a couple of cups read a book or you know just I've hang done out. it once and I've actually been thinking about this because I just I've been wanting to just take a friend and go get a coffee and just sit in a cafe for a while but it just mm. hasn't happened and I miss yeah. it yeah I used to do that all the time when I lived in Australia Mm-hmm. And it was just a thing you do, like you meet a friend and you go out, yeah. just sit at a cafe for about two hours, three hours. It's like, what do you want to do? Like, want to grab a coffee? Okay. And then you sit there and you maybe have a slice of cake or a waffle or something. And mm. Yeah, like in Switzerland, that's something that everybody does. Like whenever you make friends with someone, which is not very easy in Switzerland anyway, but whenever <laughs> you do, <laughs> like yeah. that's the quintessential like first encounter you take them to have a coffee mm-hmm. nearby something nice and spend a lot of money in coffee but mm. it's like yeah and i i wonder and i always blame everything on this but i think tipping culture is to blame for the us not having a cafe culture because could be yeah they want to have turnover right they want to like have people out of their uh, cafe because they need to you know make it up in tips mm-hmm. so um, so, like, you just can't have someone chilling out there for a while. That means you're not getting tables. That means you're not getting tips because the, the wait staff, right? They're getting paid per person, not per hour. So, in, in Australia... Cafes, or... too? Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I just keep yeah. getting these revelations of places I should have tipped more that I don't. <laughs> I've been a bad American. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to get kicked out. Yes, I mean, I'm leaving anyway soon, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, well, it could be that, but, like, when I think about it, in Mexico, we also do have a really big tipping con- culture as well because wages uh, are really, really low. But yeah. we also have this, like, practice of staying, like, we call it sobremesa, which is, like, basically, like, after you have your lunch and you have your coffee or whatever you have after your meal, you would stay in the table talking for hours and hours mm-hmm. and nobody would kick you out because everybody does it and it's like a normal thing but we still have a very huge tipping culture like you would even tip the person that helps you park your car in a hard place to park like Mm -hmm. there's a big tipping culture as well and that still happens like it could be it could have something to do with that but maybe not entirely as well like who knows well if only we had a sociologist here who specifically (laughs) dealt with cafe culture Yes, that it, that was my that was my thesis statement. Yeah. Just how do Americans drink coffee? Yeah, oh. that would actually not be a bad one. Hmm. I mean, we've already tackled how Americans go to the bar differently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys are uh, able to listen in on that conversation, but we realized that when Americans go to the bar, they stand around the bar and crowd around it. Yes. And with oh. people from. Australia or Paraguay or Brazil, we were all saying, we don't actually do that. We go to the tables and like, we hang out with our friends or we go to the end of the the walls and just hang out there. Mm-hmm. So we're not standing at the bar and like, blocking everyone from trying to order their drinks. That's something that we know. That's true. Yeah, yeah bars in Norway are pretty much empty. Like the okay. bar area. Right. So we in keep getting Spain, data it's really different. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, like people like to crowd things here as well. So maybe we're getting a bit more Americanized. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully not. All right. So, well, I hope we've answered that question for whoever sent that in. And um, 
yeah. Do you guys have any other points? Any parting thoughts? I think we covered a lot. We covered yeah. it. We can, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been another episode of Unexceptionalism. Tune in next time and we'll talk about something else. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.